The Old Testament reading for this, the second Sunday in Advent, comes from the prophet Isaiah, the 11th chapter. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see, or decide disputes by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor, and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist, and faithfulness the belt of his loins. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat. And the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together, and the little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples, of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming to you. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The epistle reading comes from Paul's letter to the church in Rome, the 15th chapter. Whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's faithfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles, and sing to your name. And again it is said, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol him. And again Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will come up, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles. In him will the Gentiles have hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We rise for the reading of the Gospel. The Holy Gospel, which serves as the text for our sermon this morning, comes according to St. Matthew, the third chapter. In those days, John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. 
Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. This is the gospel of our Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. How many of you are expecting some visitors this December, this Christmas season? Maybe it's family coming in from out of town. Maybe you're hosting a Christmas party or an open house. Maybe it's just expecting the unexpected, unannounced drop-in visit of a nearby friend. What kind of preparations do you make this time of year in your home for these things? Well, you probably decorate for the seasons, maybe have some extra apple cider on hand, hopefully make a few extra cookies. But what about the general state of your home? Do you just kind of leave things in the natural state of disarray? Well, of course not. You want to impress people, and so you clean up. You go through all the little preparations, making sure that things are just the way that you would like them to be. You make sure the magazines are neatly arranged, you vacuum out all the corners, and you remove the Lego ninjas ninjas from the nativity scene. Because you want to be ready. You want to be properly prepared to welcome your visitors. Well, here at the church, we're preparing for a visit as well. The time of Advent is a time of preparation, a time of getting ready for the arrival of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Not just preparing to celebrate his arrival long ago as a baby, but also looking forward to his final Advent, his glorious return on the last day. We've decorated. We've changed the pyramids to blue. We've put up the beautiful poinsettias. We are gearing up for the big day. And yet... Our readiness here is so much more than just pretty decorations and songs and an Advent wreath. Certainly these things help remind us that it's Christmas time. But these are just the outward things. There is so much more that we need to do. Even as Christians, even as faithful believers who truly know what the real reason for the season is, we need a readiness of the heart as we await God's arrival. That's why in our collect this morning we prayed, Stir up our hearts, O Lord, to make ready the way of your only begotten Son. And in our gospel reading, God gives us that. He prepares our hearts through the prophet of Advent, John the Baptist. John is the very prophet whom the Lord appointed to prepare the way for his coming. 
And believe me, he prepared the way. He was to make the crooked straight, to make the high low and the low high. He was to turn everything on its head, upset the apple cart, stir things up, wake people up, and prepare them for the coming of Jesus. There is nothing at all wishy-washy about John, and there is no tiptoeing around from him either. He's not concerned about political correctness or sensitive feelings. He doesn't have time for that. He knows that eternal salvation is on the line and his time is short. And so his message to the unrepentant unbelievers, it's bold. It's even offensive. He speaks to God's people and says, You brood of vipers! Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits in keeping with repentance. John marched in and laid it on the line for everyone who heard it. Salvation wasn't about your bloodline. It wasn't about who you were or thought you were. It was about a right faith in God's word that changes your life. It was about life through the coming Messiah, not dead outward acts that were meant to impress people. He says, even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees, he announced. All the dead wood was to be cut out of the Lord's forest. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. That doesn't sound very Christmassy, does it? That's a little unsettling when we hear that message. And guess what? It should be. Because the sad truth is, more often than not, You and I don't produce the good fruit that our Lord expects and demands. We know that we're not saved by our deeds, but so often we don't even let our faith affect our deeds at all, meaning that our faith really isn't that central to our lives. We know about Jesus in our heads, we'll say the words, but we're not willing to let him change our lives. We just don't love our neighbors as ourselves, much less love God with all our heart and soul and strength. Despite our best efforts, which usually aren't even that good, there are those that we've hurt, there are those that we have failed to help. Our thoughts and our desires are continually soiled with sin, and there is nothing good within our sinful human nature. And sadly, we've become comfortable with that. We're okay with it. And so hearing that we are actually sinners being shown that we are not really that great of people at all, it hurts. It hurts our pride, our egos, our feelings. We like to think of ourselves as better than all the rabble around us. I mean, come on, we're Christians. We're in church most Sundays, or some Sundays, occasional Sundays at least. But hey, we're there. We're the good guys. So obviously, God loves us. And so to realize that we really aren't living the lives that we should be, it cuts us deep. But that's how preparing the way for the Lord begins. You and I are prepared when we are laid low by the hammer blows of God's law. We have to be shown that our deeds are insufficient that our lives are filthy, that our souls truly are in need of salvation, and we can't do it. This is what God's law does to us. Not just to break us down and leave us as broken, sobbing sinners. No, John's message 
all of God's law. It knocks us down off of our flimsy, man-made pedestals that we put so much trust in so that we might be truly lifted up and comforted by the gospel of God's grace in Jesus Christ. The way of the Lord is the way of repentance. That is, it calls for change to our sin-filled lives. A change of heart, a change of mind. Not a change that we can make by ourselves, but rather a change that God can work within us by the power of his spirit working through his word. And that's what we need this Advent season. A change. A change so we can get prepared. So we can straighten up our hearts and our lives. Clean out our messed up hearts that are so cluttered with sin. Clear out our lives that are littered with transgression and shame and guilt. So that instead, they might be filled to overflowing with the life and the love of Jesus Christ. As you probably know, my dad is a pastor. And so as a boy, there were times when the phone would ring and mom would have a short conversation, hang up the phone, and then turn and make this announcement. Straighten up, someone's coming over. (laughs) Now perhaps when you hear the phrase straighten up, You have this whimsical notion of some white-gloved nanny going about rotating the knickknacks by two degrees so everything is just so. Spitzball. That's not the way we straightened up as kids. Our straightening up involved frantically running armloads of laundry off the living room floor. It meant using snow shovels to scoop up the piles of Legos in front of the couch. It meant throwing pounds and pounds of books and toys and pets into a blanket, grabbing the four shoulders, whipping it over your shoulder like a Santa and staggering off to throw it in your room and hope the door closes. Straightening up was a major overhaul. It was an extreme makeover in preparation of someone's arrival. And that's how it needs to be in our lives as well. It's not just a few things here and there that need to be turned, but rather a clean sweep, a total change of heart. Now, the straightening up that I did as a kid, that wasn't actually fixing the mess. It was just hiding it away a little while so other people wouldn't see it. And that's how the world treats Christmas. Pretending there's peace on earth for a month, but going right back to the hatred and bitterness as soon as it's socially acceptable to do so. As Christians... We need to truly prepare for the arrival of Jesus with actual, genuine, and long-lasting change to our sin-filled lives. Now, of course, such a change doesn't come easily. It means the death of the habits of our sinful heart, the habits that we have grown used to and that we love so much. And habits like that die hard. It's always a lot easier to love and serve ourselves than it is to love and serve God and our neighbor for the sake of Jesus. It comes naturally to our sinful flesh to lash out with anger when we've been hurt, to return evil for evil and repay injury with injury. It's so much easier to cut down other people than to love them and build them up. It's easier for our sinful nature to curse and swear and lie and deceive by God's name than it is to pray, praise, and give thanks. That's why we need the law, to tear down and clear out what we have wrongly put in place. 
That's why the season of Advent focuses on repentance and preparation instead of just skipping straight to fun and joy. That's why the Christian life is a life of constant repentance, a continual prayer that God would give us change in mind and in heart. First, we confess our sins. Then God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. First the cross, then the crown. That's the road we walk as Christians. And that's the road that Jesus himself walked for us. He left the perfect paradise of heaven, stepped away from his kingly hall in order to enter into our flesh, to be born in a stable. He gave everything, suffered everything for sinners like you and me. He didn't greedily hold on to his eternal riches, but he gave them all to us so that we could benefit forever. And he did so at great personal cost. Not the cost of gold or silver, but his holy precious blood and his innocent suffering and death that you may be his own. He suffered and died in your place to save you from sin, death, and the devil. He was crucified, died, and was buried to atone for all your sin. And he rose again from the grave to give the guarantee of everlasting life to all those who look to him in faith. This is why Jesus was born. And this is why we seek to prepare our hearts to welcome him aright. Recognizing what a gracious, precious gift his birth, death, and resurrection truly is. Recognizing the eternal gifts that he has so freely given us. How can we do anything but drive out that sin in our lives and prepare our hearts to welcome him? Why would we want to hold on to our sin and our selfish ways? Why would we want to do anything other than bear good fruit in keeping with faithful repentance? And so we pray throughout this Advent season that God's word would truly prepare our hearts. As we just sang, then cleansed be every life from sin, make straight the way for God within, and let us all our hearts prepare for Christ to come and enter there. It's time for change. Because we need a new, we need a new and real Christmas preparation. We lift up the valleys of our deep despair. We bring down the mountain peaks of our lofty pride. And we straighten out our crooked ways. We prepare for Jesus. Now how do we do this? Well, I can't necessarily tell you. I don't have ten surefire steps to prepare your life for Jesus. Because you see, it means different things for different people, depending on who they are, where they are in life, what their sins are. What's the chaff in your life that needs to be taken away? Maybe you need to let go of your bitterness and your envy. Maybe you need to admit that something you love is sinful and hurtful. Maybe you need to be less of an island and more involved in the lives of your family, your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. I can't tell you what needs to be done in your life, but I can tell you how it's done. It is done by the grace of God and by his power alone. The Son of God who came down from heaven was incarnate of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. He changes your heart, your heart and he makes it new. He who left the Father's throne in lowly meekness to be cradled in a cattle trough, wrapped in swaddling clothes, he is still with you today. Through his word and his sacraments, Christ is with you 
and within you. Not just giving you the strength and the ability and the drive to prepare yourself, but changing you himself by his power from the inside out. Jesus will sweep out the cobwebs from our hearts, even those disgusting corners that we ourselves don't like to look. He alone can clean out those filthy places and make them fit for his arrival. He will straighten up the crooked paths by which we have wandered so very far away from our Father's house, and he will bring us home again. He will tear down our stubborn pride, melt our hardened hearts to enfold us in his love. He will winnow us and purify us of the useless, filthy chaff that fills our lives. He will lift us up out of the pits of our despair and grief to comfort us with the presence of his Holy Spirit and to restore to us the joy of his salvation. So get ready. Prepare for Christmas in a Christian way. Prepare for company and Christmas festivities, but most importantly, prepare your hearts and your lives for Christ. Let the word of the Lord and his Holy Spirit truly change you. Let this Holy Advent season be your comfort and your joy as you realize that Jesus Christ has come to us in the flesh to save us, and that he is coming again to take us to be with him. Also, that he comes to you each and every day through his word, through his sacraments, making you new and whole and free, preparing you in a way that you could not. Jesus Christ has come for our forgiveness, to straighten up what we have messed up, and to give us that free and undeserved gift of eternal life. And in response, we are called to bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Not by just hiding our sin away to make ourselves look good to the world and hope that God won't notice, but by living grateful, thankful lives of repentance and faith in response to that glorious message of the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That by his cross alone, by his empty tomb alone, you are forgiven of every one of your sins, and eternal life in heaven is yours. To God alone be all glory, now and forever. Amen.